أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تعالى على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد الحمد لله ما شاء الله we're gonna read the second half of our lesson with regards to the Udhiya also known as Qurbani for the Desi slash Persianate public and then some other ahkam that are relevant to it uh, subsequent. So where we left off uh, last week was talking about what a person should say when they uh, slaughter the animal, which is Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar. And uh, Ibn Abi Zayd, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he adds, وَإِنْ زَادَ فِي الْأُضْحِيَّةِ رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا فَلَا بَأْسَ بِذَلِكَ That whoever adds to the Bismillah, Allahu Akbar for the Udhiyah and um, for the ritual sacrifices. So there's a difference between sacrifice and slaughter. The ritual slaughter of Islam is, uh, you know, what was described uh, uh, hitherto. But the sacrifice is something that is from a ritual, uh, from, from a religious occasion, uh, which includes the Udhiyah and it includes the Hadiyah uh, of of Hajj, and it includes the Aqiqah. There is some difference of opinion between the ulama as to certain other more obscure types of ritual slaughter. But um, there's a, a an author attributed to Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu ta'ala anhum that uh, um, in which he mentions uh, 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 he mentions that the the ghusl of Janaba uh, has has abrogated the necessity of all other ghusls and the uh, um, fast of Ramadan has abrogated the necessity of all other fasts and the, the slaughter of Udhiya has abrogated the necessity of all other ritual slaughters. Uh, and so even the, the Aqiqah itself, uh, you know, it's not wajib. This is a proof that it's not wajib. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, according to the uh, opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa, um, the aqiqah itself is not even a sunnah; it's just permissible. Whereas uh, in the uh, in the other in the other schools, uh, it is uh, it is considered to be a sunnah. But we'll talk about aqiqah shortly, inshallah. Uh, and so he says, "In zada fil udhiyati, Rabbana taqabbal minna inna ka Rabbana taqabbal minna afwan." Uh, um, that that's there's nothing wrong with that. There's no problem with that. And so this this expression la ba'sabidalika indicates um, the possibility of suboptimality. Uh, um, uh, but uh, again, Malik rahimullah ta'ala, I don't think he liked things to be added. Just out of the fear of people thinking that this, these additions are somehow um, an obligation or the slaughter is not valid without them. Uh, and that was the ihtiyat and the cautiousness of those first generations before. Uh, the, the sharia was written and well known. And while it was still a, 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 an oral tradition that was passed from people to people. So there was a great emphasis on making sure that you do things exactly how they come from before. Uh, not adding or subtracting anything from them that may not have been harmful to add or subtract, but that would have reduced the resolution of, of clarity of how, how those things used to be. 
في ذبح أضحية أو غيرها فإنها تؤكل وإن تعمد ترك التسمية لم تؤكل. So this is an important مسألة uh, which has to do with the issue of tasmiyah, uh, which is to say the name of Allah Taala uh, over each uh, slaughter uh, or over each sacrifice. That he says that whoever forgot, forgets to say Bismillah Allahu Akbar, that in and of itself is not. It doesn't uh, invalidate the slaughter. If you forgot, if you're forgetful just in the moment, you're, not, you're trying to wrestle the animal and like keep the legs together or grab the horns or whatever, uh, or uh, for whatever reason you're distracted somehow. If you forget to say it, you would have said, someone stopped you, paused life and said, okay, all right, what are you supposed to say now? You would say, Bismillah, but for some reason you just, it just doesn't come out unintentionally. That, that slaughter is still valid. Whereas a person who on purpose doesn't say it, it's in their mind like it's there and they just don't say it. Uh, they just don't say that, take the name of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, that, invalidates the, that invalidates the slaughter, that invalidates the sacrifice. And uh, this is a really important issue. From amongst the madhahib, uh, you see, uh, uh, you see the, uh, the Shafi'is, they consider the tasmiyah to be a sunnah. And uh, I'll, you know, let the Shafi'i scholars uh, explain in, in, in authoritative detail their own madhab. However, my understanding is that there's an athar that, uh, that's narrated that Imam Nawawi uh, uses as a proof of their position that Bismillah is there in the heart of every, every Muslim. Um, uh, but uh, in general, the, the madhab of the Jamhur is that, that you have to say Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, when when slaughtering over the, take the name of Allah Ta'ala over the slaughter. The idea being that the killing of an animal is otherwise haram, uh, but this is an exception to the rule. And this is a particular ritual, um, a particular ritual performance that invokes that, that the exception can be invoked through and not without. Uh, whether you take the Shafi'i position of, of the tasmiyah or not, but it is, you know, slaughter is a ritual uh, performance. وَكَذَلِكَ عِنْدَ إِرْسَالِ الْجَوَارِحِ عَلَى السَّيْدِ And like that, when a person who's hunting uh, releases the implement of hunting. So if you have a spear, for example, you throw the spear, you say Bismillah at the time of throwing the spear. If you have a hunting dog and you release the hunting dog at the time of releasing the hunting dog, you say Bismillah, Allahu Akbar. If you have a, a bow and arrow or some sort of projectile at the time of re releasing the projectile, you say Bismillah, Allahu Akbar. There's an extremely instructive discussion with regards to the wisdom of the slight difference between uh, between hunting and between uh, uh, the ritual slaughter uh, with regards to tasmiyah in the Hidayah, which is definitely a Hanafi fiqh book, but the, the, the discussion is an usuli discussion. It's a, a principle discussion, it's not one of taqlid. Um, and so the discussion is this, is why is it while you're slaughtering, you say Bismillah Allahu Akbar over the animal, whereas when you're hunting, you say it over the implement. And uh, what's the difference between the, the, the two of them? And the first thing you have to understand in order to understand this question is that, first of all, slaughter, the slaughter of domesticated and, uh, livestock and uh, hunting are similar, but they're not 100% analogous. And so this is one of those issues that, that's different between the two of them, right? Like in the Maliki school, for example, the, the hunted animal of Ahlul Kitab is not 
considered to be jais. In, the, in other schools, my understanding is that they consider it to be jais as a, an analogy over the slaughter, but explicitly the, the, uh, the hunting is not mentioned explicitly uh, in, uh, in, in the, the nas of the Qur'an, um, whereas it's just ta'am is mentioned. And so what, what does that mean? Does that mean the, domestic, the normally slaughtered animals, or does it include hunting? Maliki considered, considered it not to include hunting. So at any rate, the, the issue that, that comes up is why is it that you say it over the animal in the, in, in the slaughter, in dhabh, but you say it over the implement in hunting? And the reason is that the akhir maqdur alayhi, the last thing that you have control over when you're slaughtering is the animal. You literally have control of the process from the beginning to the end. The animal is in your possession from the beginning. It's bound up. It's controlled by you 100%. You get it to face the qibla, etc., etc. If the animal goes rogue, you know, there's a whole set of different ahkam about that. But in general, domesticated animals are, are completely uh, under control. That's what the whole idea of domestication is. Whereas in, um, uh, in hunting, because it's a wild animal, by definition it's wild, you don't have control over it. So... The last thing that you have, the akhir maqdur alayhi, the last thing you have control over it is the implement. So you have the gun that's in your control. You have, I mean, whether or not the hunting with bullets is valid or not is a whole separate issue. But, you know, assuming that it's valid, you know, that you have control over your hunting dog or hunting cheetah or falcon or whatever. You have control over the spear, you have control over the arrow. And that's the last thing you have control over. And so that's, that's a relaxation from the sharia that you can say the tasmiyah one step removed from the actual process of killing the animal. And this, uh, uh, this dispensation is only there for hunting wild animals. You can't do that with domesticated animals. That's why you can't shoot an arrow, say bismillah, Allahu Akbar, and shoot an arrow at a domesticated animal because you have the ability to actually slaughter it. And on the flip side, uh, uh, when you hunt an animal, if you are able to at some point or another uh, uh, slaughter it, you know, the normal through the normal dhabh, you have to. So, for example, if somebody throws a spear at like a large animal, or you know, shoots an arrow at a at an animal and catches up with it before it's actually dead, dead, you're still obliged to 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 do the the, the process of the kat of the the actual slaughter of the animal like you would with a domestic animal. And if an animal goes rogue, there's a whole separate set of fiqh. Like in the Hanafi madhab, they call that the vakat ithtirariya. There, there are certain rules and regulations about how you slaughter a domesticated animal that are waived because of ithtirar, because of darura, which are not there in the Maliki madhab. You can't just like, you know, like just because a, a domesticated animal is being unruly, you, can't, you just can't take the gun out and shoot it or whatever, right? Um, but the point is, is what the usuli point is. This is that the tasmiyah is wajib over the the akhir maqdur alayhi, the last point where you have control over sorry, the last uh, make the tasmiyah. And uh, what does this what does this usuli framework mean for? For, uh, for example, the argument that machine slaughter is jais. 
um, because Akhir Maqdura Alayhi still the animal is still your is Maqdura Alayhi but you're turning the machine on and saying Bismillah Allahu Akbar this is why from the fatawa I've seen at least from the Maliki scholars that 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 I've clarified with them they don't say that it's permissible that they say that indicate permissibility um, for a person who's not able to find something else uh, which is not the haqiqi case at least not in Chicago or in most of the United States um, but uh, it involves an analogy between the tasmiyah of hunting and machine slaughter which as far as I can tell it doesn't it's not an analogy that I, I, I find apt and the haqiqah is not described by that. The haqiqah is what? Is that literally you're bringing the animals in cages to the, to the factory. If somebody even put their hand on the animal when passing it under the mechanical blade and said, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar on every animal, you know, I don't think there would be really an argument to say that this is, this is not jais. Um, or at least the argument would be a lot weaker. However, the issue is what is that you're having like 120, 160, 140, 180, you know, over 200 in some cases, birds per minute passing through. Even if there was somebody there like, you know, Allah, 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 you can't, you can't really do that, you know. Uh, it's not really possible. Can you imagine somebody who's making that much zikr, mashallah. He would be like on the line for like three days and like on the fourth day, like the ishraq would happen and he would like... <laughs> be able to like see and hear like for 10,000 miles in every direction and like understand like all the secrets of the of the universe and whatever and uh, he probably wouldn't be slaughtering birds anymore but anyhow this is a this is a relevant uh, a relevant issue um, again not to like go and beat up uh, other people with or whatever people are going to listen are going to listen people are going to disagree are also going to disagree but for people to understand whether they disagree or not sometimes it's good to think about stuff um and you know as for us mashallah halal advocates for life essay uh, a person doesn't ever sell any part of the qurbani in the Urdu sense uh, of the udhiyah and uh, nor of the aqiqah because that's also a ritual slaughter nor of the nusuk meaning the hadaya of hajj whether they be voluntary or whether they be penalties or jaza of sayd these are also uh, jaza of sayd is also a, uh, a ritual slaughter like if a person kills an animal while in ihram you know people say oh maulvi sabakwaski and the maulvi koi zurur nahi well the quran actually says like there are certain masali actually after you have to go ask a maulvi about it in, in this case, not one, but two. Uh, where if you kill an animal, uh, a person who's learned in fiqh, you have to show them the animal or like at least describe it to them properly. And then he'll tell you what type of animal they have to slaughter in order to, in order to make recompense for it, right? So like if, if you're an ihram and you kill like an elephant, right? Then, you know, you're gonna have to sacrifice like a herd of goats. It's gonna be a lot. I mean, it's gonna be a lot of animals. You're gonna have to sac sacrifice to make up for it. So, don't do it. But the point is, is that is that uh, uh, the nusuk, that's another jazaa say There's another type of uh, another type of ritual sacrifice associated with Hajj. Um, no parts of any of them can be sold. You can give them, like in in Pakistan. I assume it's like this in other Muslim countries too. You ever done Eid al-Adha in Masr? Do they have this in Pakistan, like people come and collect the hides, like charities or madaris or things like that, because they, they sell them to like leather. They can sell them, but you, can, you have to gift it to a person and they can sell them. And so they have like turf wars over who like picks up the, the hide 
So like whatever sectarian or, you know, this political party's like humanitarian organization will hire thugs to like, you know, push off the political party, other political parties, humanitarian organization to pick up hides in a certain hood or whatever, you know, like they'll, they'll go straight up like khidmat uh, khalq versus al-khidmat, you know, and you like normal people don't even know that they're like two different things and like, you know, like they'll go crips and bloods on each other over the hides. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the real world. I think you guys don't suffer from a lot of these issues in Misr because the, the iron-fisted control does have some benefits. Yeah. Let's be honest. Freedom is good, but it's not all it's cracked up to be at times. You wish there was a little less freedom in the world. I'm not endorsing or, or denouncing any, any of the above. This is Dars. But I'm just saying, you know, just to be fair, sometimes like when you have iron-fisted control, like there's like less shoplifting or whatever because they know you're going to get hooked up to a car battery afterward or whatever. They will catch you and you'll die. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he, he says for, for emphasis, he says, uh, So he says, neither the hide can be sold, nor can the fat be sold, nor can the nerves be sold, uh, um, nor, uh, uh, um, nor uh, anything other than that. You can't sell, sell any part of it. You can give it to someone. Once that person gets it, they can do what they want with it. But, you know, you can't... The, the one who's ritually sacrificing, they cannot sell any part of it or financially benefit from any part of it. وَيَأْكُلُ الرَّجُلُ مِنْ أُضْحِيَّتِهِ وَيَتَصَدَّقُ مِنْهَا أَفْضَلُ لَهُ It's for a person to eat some part of their udhiyah and to uh, um, give in sadaqah some part is the best, the best way of dealing with it. وَلَيْسَ بِوَاجِبٍ uh, but it's not, it's, not, it's not necessary. A person could theoretically eat their entire animal or they could give their entire animal in charity. And there's no had either. It doesn't have to be a third, a third, a third. You don't have to measure it out that way. Rather, the afdaliya is that some part of it should be eaten by a person and their own family. It should be gifted to their own family and relatives and some part of it should be given in charity. That's what the what the uh, what the what the, the the best is, and everyone's needs are different. You know, if you're just like a dude living on your own, what the hell are you gonna do with the whole goat, right? But uh, um, I don't know, man. Kamran, you know, he's he hits that gym real hard sometimes, you know. So, uh, uh, but you know, so you need that you need that you need that protein, you know. But uh, yeah, but but yeah, see, mashallah, mashallah. So no, mashallah, you're not you're not behind. Um, so, so, you know, but then like, you know, how much are you going to eat? And then on the flip side, if somebody has like a large family and is not super well off, you know, sometimes the charity begins at home, they can give a little bit less in charity and keep more for the family, inshallah, so that, uh, so that they don't, they don't, uh, wrong, wrong their family. This is an important concept, not, not directly related, just tangentially related, but you know, if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're like a brother, a sister, or whatever, you got to take care of your own family. Don't treat them as second-class citizens or whatever, you know, because if you're a father, you're the only Baba your kids got. You know, they're not going to, nobody else is going to be that for them, can be that for them. So you got to take care of your own. That's not selfishness. That's actually optimization and charity. It doesn't mean that you forget the whole rest of the world exists, but, it, you know, it should be your focus. So, yeah, uh, keep, keep part of the Udhiya for them as well. Uh, but if, you know, depending on your circumstances, if you have like only one child or if you, you know, you're really wealthy or you're, you're just alone or whatever, give more of it to charity, eat less of it. But the point is the sunnah is that you should, adjusting based on your circumstance, you should eat part of it and then you should give part of it to your family and friends and you should give part of it in charity.
Um, and that's like one of the amazing things about, about Islam. Otherwise, like Mao, you know Mao? He had like first time he had an egg was like when he was 18, I think. And he grew up to be a complete, like, complete, like, psychopath. Right? There's a lot of, like, berahmi in the world. There's a lot of, like, lack of mercy in the world, qaswa. And, uh, you know, mashallah and Eid, everybody gets to, like, enjoy. You know, no matter how broke you are, Eid is Eid. Is Eid. Like, you're going you're gonna to get some, some meat to eat or some, you know, so you're going to taste something and have something nutritious that you didn't have from before. Otherwise, I, you know, I mentioned this maybe in my just a couple of times before. I remember my own nani, rahimahullah ta'ala, who was a very pious woman. She grew up in the Pind. She said that many years would pass that the only time she had meat was on the Eid al-Adha. So it's good. Don't sell any part of it. Give some of it away, even to people you just don't, don't know and who are just the poor. وَلَا يَأْكُلُوا مِنْ فِدْيَةِ أَذَنْ وَلَا جِزَاءِ السَّيْدِ وَلَا نَذَرِ الْمَسَاكِينَ وَمَا عَتِبَ مِنْ هَدِيَ التَّطَوُّعِ قَبْلَ مَحَلِّهِ وَيَأْكُلُوا مِنْ مَا سِوَى ذَلِكَ So he says that from all the ritual sacrifices, a person isn't to eat from fidya, meaning if they, if they sacrifice an animal for breaking one of the conditions of ihram, they're not to eat from that fidya. All of it has to be eaten by others. They slaughter, pay for it, slaughter it, sacrifice it, and then it's given away to others, all of it, in complete, in totality. Uh, nor from the jazaw said, if they, if they kill an animal in ihram, the, the, the jazaw, which is, how uh, uh, hukum is made by two upright people of knowledge, they, they cannot partake in it. Nor the natharul masakin, if a person makes another, takes a vow that by Allah, you know, if such and such, either conditional or unconditional, if such and such thing happens, or just by Allah, I'm going to sacrifice XYZ animal or a number of animals, or type of animals for the sake of Allah, then a per, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the poor, then a person doesn't eat from that. Uh, nor a voluntary hadi, hadi, hadi is the sacrifice of hajj, the voluntary hadith that a person brings with them. Because in the old days, people used to come with their own animals. This is one of the reasons the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he told the companions Allah, on him to make, uh, 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 to make tamattu' in hajj. And they asked, well, how come you're not doing it? <laughs> and so he said, I brought all these animals with me and made ish'ar of them. Like when you make ihram, ish'ar is like the ihram of your, your, your animals that you're going to sacrifice. So he goes, I cannot, I, I cannot come out of Ihram until they're all slaughtered and that's going to happen, you know, after, after Arafat. And so, um, so people used to bring their animals with them. Now I, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll shut you down pretty hard for whatever health and safety regs or whatever. You know, the thing is, if we wanted to make it happen, we could find a way. But uh, on the flip side of the, the same coin, it's hard. So like, I understand. Like I don't want anyone who's had their stuff like messed up by lives, other people's livestock before can like should understand the other side of the argument too. Um, yes, uh, so when you're bringing your livestock to Hajj to slaughter, if any of the if the animal gets sick on the way, you're not just going to let it die, right? If it's clear the writings on the on the wall, to use a biblical reference, um, that it's just it's just going to die, then you you slaughter it there. But if it had made it to Mina and it was a voluntary sacrifice, you could have eaten from it. But because it was slaughtered in order, you know, these things, the rules are the rules because they're the rules, right? But one of the hikmahs, the wisdoms in it is it disincentivizes a person <coughs> jumping, jumping the gun. There's some sort of interest in like 
trying to see that it make it to um, it make it to uh, uh, Arafat and Mina, um, and just like there's an interest in not uh, in not uh, hunting an animal when you're in ihram or breaking terms of your ihram, etc. Other than that, all the other type of hadaya and all the other types of ritual slaughter, including the aqiqah, then the person who's slaughtering it also eats from it. Insha'a, if, if a person wishes to. وَالذَّكَاتُ قَطْعُ الْحُلْقُومِ وَالْأَوْدَاجِ وَلَا يُجْزِئُ أَقَلُّ مِنْ ذَلِكَ وَإِنْ رَفَعَ يَدَهُ قَبْلَ قَطْعِ بَعْضِ ذَلِكَ ثُمَّ أَعَادَ يَدَهُ uh, okay, so there's a couple of masail here. Uh, first is that the valid slaughter is affected by uh, um, slaughtering from the front to the back, not from the back to the front. Not from the sides, from the front to the back. Okay, fine, it doesn't have to be like exactly in the front, right? It could be a little bit, but it should be in the front half, not in the back half. And uh, there are three vessels that have to be cut in order for the slaughter to be valid. But the, there, there are two to three vessels that have to be cut in order for the slaughter to be valid, according to the different madahib. And they differ on them. So the way that you do this right is you sever all four. That's the sunnah anyway. So they're the Wadi Jain, which are the two carotid arteries that go up and down from, connect the brain to the heart. And then there are Odaj, uh, it can be used in the dual or in the plural. Uh, and then there's the Hulqum, which is the trachea. And then there's the uh, uh, Mari, which is the esophagus. So in the Shafi'i school, the Mari and uh, Hulqum have to be, have to be cut. And uh, in the uh, um, Hanafi school, any three out of the four have to be cut for the slaughter to be considered valid. In the Maliki school, it's a particular three, that it should be the odaj, the, the, the carotid arteries, and it should be the, the, uh, the hulqum. My posting for the Maliki school here, not that anyone should take offense if they f- follow a different madhab, is that the wisdom of cutting the hulqum is that the ruh leaves easily because it has to do both the word nafs and ruh both have to do with like air or the movement of air it's somehow it's an idea that the the nafs and the ruh of someone is like in their breath it's not the breath itself but it's somehow like that's the space it occupies that's the the, the medium in which it is and so it leaves easier when the hulqum is severed uh, you know, because the thing is, you see an animal might kick for like some time, right? But what is spiritually, what is the death of the animal? This is the quickest way of dispatching the animal spiritually. The body can twitch for like, a, you know, for like an hour afterward. It, it doesn't harm because the spirit has already left. So there's nothing to feel it. It's just like a, like a robot twitching or something like that. You know, if our matrix overlords are listening, you know, forgive me for that. But uh, uh, I don't, I'm told, I'm told, by people in AI that it's not, not, not anywhere close. Who knows, maybe the robots are making them say that, who knows. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that, that part of it a person should not be unnerved by. Rather, the, the ruh leaves quickly with the cutting of the hulqum. And uh, the, 
the Wadi Jain is, the, is where the animal bleeds out, which renders the animal unconscious really quickly, like really quickly. Imagine there are people who have like, they suffer from like POTS, like you stand up too quickly, the blood like dra drains from the head and you just get dizzy and you pass out, right? How, how long does that take? It's really quick, you stand up and you're like, uh, you know, and like if you don't, you know, you see it's coming, but it's not, a, a it's not a painful process, B, uh, um, it's not a, it doesn't take a long time for that process to happen. You have to brace yourself relatively quickly, otherwise you literally might fall over and hurt yourself, right? So what do you think is going to cause your brain to lose pressure faster? Standing up quickly or severing both carotid arteries quickly? A person might say, well, it's painful to get cut in your, okay, but like how long is that pain going to last? It's going to last a, a second and a half, two seconds, a fraction of a second, something like that, you know? before the brain is completely unable to even like, it just doesn't have enough oxygen to like deal with whatever's going on, right? Uh, and so this is one of the reasons actually that, that you know, a lot of the sunnahs of slaughter are, are the way that they are, is that uh, one of the reasons that a lot of the sunnahs of, of slaughter are the way that they are, is that uh, there are reactions in the animal that are there to slow that process down of just like losing blood really quickly. And a lot of them have to do with the fear, the fear and the anxiety that the animal has. And so the more anxious the animal is, the more fear the animal has, the more it's like thrown around and it sees the other dead animals and it sees the blood everywhere and it smells the death everywhere, whatever the more it's like in anxiety, adrenaline mode, and it actually actually causes the, the in particular, the, the arteries that supply blood to the brain uh, to constrict uh, in order to hold that, you know, hold that ability to, you know, like th that ability to think and, and to shunt your, the blood and your uh, nervous resources to reacting with the body as much as possible, which will actually extend out that that period of the animal being alive after its throat gets cut. I mean, it's not going to survive anyway, right? But that physical, that physical life, it actually extends it out. And uh, um, this is something that's borne out by, by research. Uh, um, this is borne out by a lot of research. I was actually, I actually wrote a, 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 one of the longer expert witness testimonies I wrote was for some, uh, uh, you know, Woko Haram level vegans. Uh, they, they, I say vegans with a W on, on purpose. Uh, they, they like did some sort of like underground like expose of like a halal farm somewhere. And uh, um, so I had to review all of their like undercover footage and this and that. And uh, um, one of the contentions was there's no way that you could possibly uh, slaughter an animal humanely when it's stunned. And so you go and look at the whatever uh, Joe Regenstein and I don't know if he's Joe something Regenstein and I'm, maybe I'm confusing with Joe Joe Regan, but Rogan but uh, something Regenstein and and Temple Grandin they did a lot of studies on this that the animal actually if it's as long as you don't freak freak it out it actually dies relatively quickly when you slaughter it according to both Muslim and, and Jewish ritual slaughter methodologies so they. They, they don't advocate one over the other. They say, if you want to stun, then this is the way you're supposed to stun. If you want to do a ritual slaughter, this is the way you're supposed to do it. Both of them can have pretty similar outcomes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the benefit with that. But obviously when someone is 
slaughtering, they should, they should sever all four vessels. And because it's a difference of opinion, the sunnah is to sever all four at any rate. So he mentions, he mentions the mas'ala that if a person's in the process of killing the animal and they lift the knife from the throat and then they realize like, oh, I didn't like cut everything and then they go back to, uh, to um, finish the job, that such an animal shouldn't be eaten from, that such an animal is haram. Now the tafsil is what the details is like if it's something just like a second or two or whatever that's fine. But if it's like if a person goes away for a minute or something like that because they've actually killed the animal, the animal's legally dead already, and uh, um, slaughtering a, an animal that's already dead doesn't help. Uh, and this is another thing is that a person should be their mind should be in a place that the kill should be quick and it should be seamless and it should not take a lot of time because when you have to saw at the neck of the animal like that um, it just gives it like all this more time to like react and freak out and like oh my god what's happening and like all the constricting of blood vessels and things in this nervous system that happen and these adrenal responses and things like that it just gives more time for all of that to run amok and so a person should have a you know, the hadith of the Prophet is that the person should, should sharpen their knife and they should, uh, you know, give a break to the, to the animal that they're slaughtering. They should give a break to the animal they're slaughtering that it shouldn't have to go through more, more difficulty than it otherwise, otherwise would have to go through. And, uh, you know, the industry has different things. There's actually a slaughtering implement which is not very politically correctly named, but, uh, but apparently it's called a Jew knife. I've held the Jew knife before. It's a very long knife. It's two and a half times. It's supposed to be, the blade is supposed to be two and a half times the length of the neck that it's cutting. And the whole point of the Jew, and it's like made out of very high grade steel and it's extremely sharp. It's like disturbingly sharp how quickly it passes and easily and like seamlessly it passes through flesh. And uh, the whole point with the Jew knife is it should be one stripe. You shouldn't even have to go back and forth. And uh, this is this is the ideal. This is the way that slaughter should happen. So whoever is going, like you know, this Eid to go and slaughter with their own hand. One of the things we did, which was I think it was a good idea, right? Last like last time we we just went and got like a high carbon steel knife, um, one, or one of the high carbon steel like ceramic knives, or it doesn't have to be ceramic knife, but a high carbon steel. So the blade is really hard. And uh, you know what's the downside with carbon high carbon <coughs> steel is like it breaks easier. And uh, uh, so it's not as durable, but if you're only going to like spend like $11 on a di one day to do it, you know, oftentimes the knives that they have uh, for cutting in the places where they do the qurbani, they're not as sharp and they're not as easily to sh easy to sharpen. And you're not like in a position to sharpen them as, as much as you need to. So, so it really does make, it really does make a big difference. Uh, so he says, if a person, if a person doesn't cut deep enough and they lift their hand for appreciable amount of time and then, then they go back to quote unquote, finish the job. That's not, that's not cool, that's, that, that animal is not jais to eat from. If a person is overzealous and keeps cutting until they decapitate the animal, this is makru, this is bad, you're not supposed to do this. However, it doesn't render the animal haram to eat. The idea is what? Is that you should sever these uh, vessels that were named and then afterward uh, let the animal bleed out and like stop moving and like you know, like let all even traces of life leave the body before you further process the animal. Uh, that's the that's the that's the the proper way of doing it. Uh, but because the the legal slaughter has been affected at this point, it's still valid to eat from. I don't ever recall being that zealous in slaughtering a, a head of cattle or 
uh, lamb or sheep, goat. Although with chickens, you can do it very easily. With chickens, because their necks are so small. So just be careful with it, you know. But if you have to err on one side or the other, it's better to keep cutting. You don't want to like just half cut and then like be like, oh, do I have to cut more? And while you're thinking that process, the poor animal is like freaking out. And whoever cuts from the, the side of the neck, they, uh, that animal will not, be, will not be eaten. Because you legally kill the animal by severing its spinal cord before you, before you get to the process of the slaughter. Interesting, interesting, uh, interesting story. A very politically incorrect story that I'm not going to mention the whole uh, limit of on the recording. But it's really funny anyway. Um, but the interesting part that's relevant to this is that um, they said one of the imams of the Salaf, he liked chicken a lot. So he had three chickens and he ordered the servants to like fatten the chickens up. And uh, they got fat and, you know, they were like, you know, because the thing is, chicken, the chickens that they have in the slaughterhouse are like really sick birds. Allah help us, Allah forgive us. It's not good, it's not right to have, keep any living thing like that. But otherwise, a chicken that's like, you know, that, that, that is actually free range, not like commercial advertising free range. Um, that's a really beautiful animal, mashallah. So he had these chickens like, you know, all desi murgh, like ready to go, you know. And so then he ordered the slaughter, slaughter to slaughter them. He slaughtered all three of them in quick order for, and he cut from the back of the neck and he's like, ah, you know, and he goes like, they were good looking birds. I don't know that they're permissible to eat. So take them to take, take but go to Sa'id bin Musayyib and uh, ask, ask him if it's permissible or not. And uh, Sa'id bin Musayyib, he's like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know it to be permissible. And then someone told the story to Imam Malik later. And he's like, I don't know it to be permissible. And so the mas'ala, the reason this issue was, this story was mentioned in the fiqh books, everybody knows this relatively well-known mas'ala that you can't slaughter from the back of the neck. But uh, the, the reason that it's mentioned in the fiqh books is, uh, is that uh, no, none of them objected to, three imams of the salaf, none of them objected to fattening the animal. So I don't know if someone can like, someone who wants to like do halal foie gras and whatever, they can pay me $300 an hour to give them the reference for this story or whatever. Not that I think that that's the same, exact same thing, but at any rate, um, just to show the, how much the mashayikh used to think about these things. Anyhow, uh, yeah, this is a big issue, right? This is one of the issues with stunning, is that are you legally killing the animal before you actually slaughter it? So there's some types of stunning that don't do that, and there are some types of stunning that do. Anything that, you know, there are maqatil uh, 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 in, in, in the Maliki school. There are those things that are, that legally are tantamount to death. So you cut the, the gut of the animal so much that it exposes their, like the stomach and the internal organs. If you, um, if you sever the spinal cord, if you break the brain casing, if you puncture the lungs, like... You know, these things to the point that the lungs collapse and things like that. These things basically legally kill the animal. So afterward, you can't, you can't slaughter it because it's going to die anyway, you know. So in, in, in the Shafi'i school, in the Maliki school, it's enumerated what those things are. Um, in the Shafi'i school, uh, it's just a general principle that the animal should have hayatun mustaqirra. That whatever it's suffering from at this point shouldn't be the cause of its death. As long as that's, it's like, so if an animal has it like a cough or a sneeze or whatever, 
that's not probably not going to be the cause of its death. You can still slaughter it. But if an animal has like, you know, like whatever, like half of its body has been eaten from a wild animal or whatever, you can't slaughter it. Whereas in the Hanafi school, the, the, the benchmark is the most lenient that an animal just has to have, uh, 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 just has to have some sign of life in it. Uh, it's, so it's definitely the most lenient. And so some of, you know, some of what we eat is only valid through that benchmark um, in terms of the actual halal industry. But this is one thing like, you know, for example, I know because I work as a certifier as well, when I do inspections in chicken plants and things like that, or in anything, anything that the, the injury is unreversible, that the animal will not recover from, we don't allow it. And in general, we, we, we have a clause in our standards that, that uh, if there's ever a market in which uh, there's a stunned product and otherwise, other than the stunning, uh, everything else is valid, um, we will certify, and there's no competitor, we'll certify the, the ones that stun until and unless the competitor comes that, that, doesn't, that doesn't stun. And at that point, the, you know, the, the contract holder has the option to either switch to non-stunned or, uh, um, or lose their certification. And, uh, but that's only for the stunning that's reversible that the animal will stand up from. So like you take the chicken, they dip the chickens in, in like electri uh, electrified bath um, before, before slaughtering them. Um, and this is again, it's all USDA stuff, like, because like, you know, Qadi Yad is not like in the government or whatever, like he's not writing standards for the USDA, so God help us. But um, the voltage has to be turned down enough that the, the chicken, if you take it off the line, um, it will be able to get up again. And we do, we do that when inspections. We'll take the sickest looking chicken and we'll, you know, out of the bunch because they're like, like human beings are different, different sizes, shapes, health, robustness. We'll take the sickest looking chicken um, and we'll take it off the line. If it doesn't get up again, then we'll t make them turn the temperature on the, the, or sorry, not the temperature, the voltage and the stunner down. And the hope is one day, inshallah, you know, people care about Islam enough to uh, not just uh, leave nasty uh, Facebook comments on each other's pages, but actually, like, do something about these things. I mean, well, Bakaru Tudbahu, the in Nuhirat Ukilat, well, Ibilu Tunharu, in Dubihat Lam Tokal, Okadok Tulifa Akliha. Um, and so there are two different models of how to sl slaughter an animal. There's the, well, there's actually three. There's dhabh uh, and there's nahar and there's aqar. Dhabh is to, at the base of the throat, cut horizontally across the base of the throat, severing the aforementioned blood vessels. Uh, and uh, so he mentions about, about baqar, about cattle, buffalo, etc., yaks. That you, that's how you slaughter a, uh, slaughter them. And then nahar is, is what? Is that you take like a, a knife and then you stab it in widthwise and you sever the same vessels. Uh, and he said that if you, if you can do that, then it's makru to do that for, for cattle, but the, the cattle will be eaten again with the same condition, you have to sever the same vessels. Um, and so he says, he says that, that you kill the cattle through, or you slaughter the cattle through, 
And if you slaughter it through nahr validly, then it's permissible to eat. Whereas with a camel, the, the legislated method of slaughter is nahr. And if you kill it with dhabh, it's not eaten, although that's a difference of opinion. But the fatwa is that it's not to be eaten. وَالْغَنَمُ تُذْبَحُ فَإِنُّ حِرَتْ لَمْ تُؤْكَلْ And uh, as far as ghanam, uh, uh, like goats and sheep, they are, they are to be uh, uh, killed through dhabh. Uh, and if they're killed through nahr, they're not eaten. وَقَدْ اِخْتُلِفَ أَيْضًا There's also a difference of opinion. There's other opinions about that as well. But this is the, the fatwa, fatwa position of the madhab. Um, وَذَكَاتُ مَا فِي الْبَطْنِ ذَكَاتُ أُمِّهِ And the slaughter of the mother is the slaughter of uh, of what's in the uh, uh, what's in the in the womb Which is, uh, again, derived from a hadith, but the meaning of the hadith is contested. Um, and so, in the Maliki school, basically, if an animal is pregnant and has an animal in the womb, uh, if you, the, to, uh, that the animal, if the mother is pregnant and she's slaughtered, that slaughter suffices for the animal in the, in the stomach. Unless the animal is born alive. If it's born alive, the, born living, after the, the slaughter of the mother, then it has to be uh, slaughtered itself. And if it's not, then if it's born alive and not slaughtered, then it's, it's dead. Whereas in the Hanafi school, I believe that it's wajib to slaughter both the, the mother and the, the child. وَالْمُنْخَنِقَةُ بِحَبْلٍ مُنَّحْوِهِ uh, 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 the the animal that's asphyxiated with a rope or something like that. And the animal that is beaten with like a stick, beaten to death with a stick or something like that. وَالْمُتَرَدِّيَةُ uh, The animal that falls from a height. وَالْنَطِيحَةُ The animal that's gored uh, 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 to death. وَأَكِيلَةَ saburi. And the, the animal that's been eaten from by wild animals. In Balagha Dalika Minha fi Hadihil Wujuhi, Mablagha Lata Ishu Ma'ahu Lam Tokal. If a person gets to them, but all of these things have happened beyond a certain point that the animal will die from 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 these things having happened. It's before you know it can it can survive these incidences. Then uh, that animal, even if you slaughter it, it's not it's not allowed to eat it. And so. Uh, uh, and it's uh, uh, there's no harm for a person who is starving to death to eat from uh, to eat from the flesh of an animal that's not been ritually slaughtered uh, and if they get to that point and that's their only food and they don't see any other food coming they don't only have to eat the bare minimum to stay alive it's permissible for them to eat until they're satiated and to keep keep it as provisions uh, and once they no longer need it, 
um, then uh, then they should throw it away. And so there's a whole hierarchy of like haram things to eat. If you have this, then you shouldn't eat that. If you have that, you shouldn't eat this. Um, and what doesn't, what doesn't, you know, what, what this applies to, what doesn't apply to it. So all those details are mentioned in Khalil. Uh, and it's permissible to use the 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 hide of an unslaughtered animal, but don't prey on it. Why? Because this is the position and opinion of Malik that the hide of an unslaughtered animal is not tahir against the against the position and opinion of the other mashaykh. In a usuli sense, it seems to make sense. Wallahu uh, alam. Um, although there are even within there is a strong opinion even within the madhab, but it's not Malik's. Within some of the muhakkikin of the madhab, that it's tahir by the process of tanning, but uh, but the 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 opinion and the mashur opinion ascribed to Malik is that it's not tahir by the process of tanning. So Ibn Abi Zaid said that's fine. You can still use it. Just don't pray on it. Don't use it for any ritual purposes. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I order my wallets from Pakistan. Yeah, so that it's ritually slaughtered. And even if a person's not Maliki or they're not like hardcore Maliki, you know, um, leaving Khilaf is better and it's better to, you know, do business with the stand, you know what I mean? Not, not just Pakistan. There are all sorts of stands, right? Arabistan, right? Yeah, that's it. All sorts of stands. Hindustan. That's the whole the whole map. If you look in the Ottoman map, right? Hungary, Hungary is Majoristan and Serbia is Serbistan, Bulgaristan, right? Yunanistan. That's good. Make stand great again. You need to start working on the T-shirts and the and the baseball caps. Uh, 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 a person shouldn't sell the, the, the hide of an uh, unslaughtered animal even if it's tanned. They can use it but they shouldn't sell it because it's technically still najis and so it's haram to transact in. And it's permissible to prey on the, or there's no a special harm or invalidity in this case it's makruh but it's it's not invalid to prey on the uh, um, on the hides of like predatory or aggressive wild animals as long as they are slaughtered properly uh, uh, and it's also permissible to sell them obviously you know don't like I don't know use this as a justification for trafficking ivory or whatever but if the animal is not like endangered or whatever yeah you can you can you can sell it it is a valid thing to sell unlike the 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 hide of an unslaughtered animal it's permissible to benefit from the uh, um, wool and the hair of an unslaughtered animal, even if it's dead uh, without slaughter, even if it's carrion, because it's ma'ala tahulufihi al-haya. There's no, 
there's no like blood or liquid life inside of it. Uh, you don't, the animal doesn't feel pain at its separation. Interesting, interesting couple of rulings in the Maliki school. All living things are Tahir, including a pig, including a dog. All living things are Tahir. So the pig becomes najis after it dies. But all living things as a qa'ida is, they're all tahir, they're all pure. Allah Ta'ala didn't create like things that are najis, uh, you know, living things that are najis. And so, uh, um, boar bristles, as gross as it sounds, technically in the Maliki school, they're not najis because they're separated from the animal when it's alive. Someone says, well, I never use boar bristle anything. First of all, you know, for all the viewers at home, go ask your buddy what she brushes her hair with because those are apparently sometimes the best brushes out there. People don't know because they don't bother to check. Okay, well, she says that she doesn't have boar bristle brushes. You know where else they're used? They're used to clean uh, high-end espresso machines. And like in the Shafi school, that's like just that's like nudges emergency. Like that's basically everything in the world is nudges, and like we're all going to hell. Like basically, that's like every every uh, espresso you have, like until the Yom Qiyamah, is all going to just be like pig nudges, and that's it. You know, and uh, you know, thank God for the Maliki Madhab. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, you better make dalk next time you do wudu, man. Don't quote me on Shafi stuff. Don't quote me on that. Someone's like, oh my God, he's talking. I told you, don't, don't quote me. You should half the time not even quote me. If I say something about the Maliki school, you should go look it up afterward. When it comes to any other madhab, you should just be like hearing like a story from Tabligh Jamaat, you know? <laughs> like this, I'm using this for like the benefit of my Iman while not like corroborating whether it's necessarily true or untrue. Um, Hayat. So the, the, neither is najis the things that are taken off from the animal during uh, the, the, the life of the animal. وَحَبُّ uh, إِلَيْنَا أَنْ يُغْصَلَ And it's, we, we prefer that it should at least be, uh, it should at least be washed before it's used. وَلَا يُنْتَفَعُ بِرِيشِهَا uh, uh, so he says that a person shouldn't use the feathers, nor should they use the horns, nor should they use the uh, uh, um, the hooves, nor should they use the the um, the canine teeth uh, uh, of the animal. Why? Because those parts they all have like blood and things like that flowing inside of them. So they're only to be used if the animal is slaughtered properly. Um, now, with the horn, uh, with the horn, there's a part of the horn that the hayat goes through, and the part of it that doesn't. Like for example, like um, I think like deer like shed their antlers yearly or whatever, right? But the part that of the horn, like you break the horn off of a living animal, there's like some fluid and oil or something like that inside of it. So that that part is the najis part. Um, the same thing with the, with, with the feather, like the feather itself, the shaft of the feather has like some sort of fluid in it, but the down doesn't. So the down would 
be like the hair. Wallahu alam. وكره الانتفاع بانياب الفيل وقد اختلف في ذلك اذا ماتت فيه sorry that's too separate اختلف في ذلك so it's makruh to use the for this reason to use uh, ivory the tusk of an of an elephant it's good, good for, good for like worldwide wildlife federation fic right there. You can quote me on that. I'll wave my, I'll wave my feet. People stop killing elephants for no reason. You can get something else, other white materials and things like that. Um, uh, just two more masail, inshallah. وماتت فيه فأرة من سم من سمنن أو زيتن. There's something missing from the text. Let me look in the. Uh, yeah, min samnin o zaitin o asalin ibn toriha wa lam tuqa wala basa an yastasbiha bil zaiti wa shabhihi fi ghayr al masajidi. Well, to hafal minhu wa in kana jamidan torihat ma hawlaha wa ukila ma baqiya. قال سحنون إلا أن يطول مقامها فيه فإنه يطرح كله. so inshallah the last masala the bab goes on but the last masala we will read today because of time is that if something najis so the example he gives is like a dead rat a rat dies in a pot of like something liquid like oil or honey or something like that, uh, all of it has to be thrown away. It's no longer fit for consumption. And so he says that if it's oil, for example, you can use it to burn in lamps. But just make sure you don't take it inside the masjid because it is najis technically. Uh, but it's not fit for human consumption. Uh, whereas if, for example, if an animal, uh, if like a rat dies in, in a, a pot of uh, um, shortening, something solid, then you can just cut out the part around it and throw that out and the rest of it is still usable. And Sahnun says that as, that's as long as you discover it relatively recently. If it's been in there for too long, then, then you, you have to throw it all out as well, which hopefully, hopefully would have been common sense. Um, Allah Ta'ala accept from everybody their dahaya uh, and their fasting and their uh, uh, prayers and their acts of uh, piety and their Eid uh, uh, from everyone in these coming days. Inshallah, if you didn't fast yet, or if you fasted yet, just you know, make sure to fast tomorrow. You know, it's a long day, and you get hungry, and it's hard. But then again, you're going to Jannah, so like, you should be excited. MashaAllah. Wa sallallahu ta'ala rasul. He said, Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.